That's right. Panthers still playing meaningful football. We'll ask Will Brinson at the bottom of the hour if this has been a good season for the Panthers or a bad one. It's been an interesting one, and it started off looking like they were not going to be an interesting or entertaining team, and that's when things really go off the rails, right? Um, You can be bad. But if you either you think you've got a franchise quarterback and you're bad and people are willing to endure bad while the quarterback learns things, or it's a one bad season in the middle of like a mountain of great seasons, people will endure bad. People do not like uninteresting. And the Panthers have managed to maintain some level of interest now being on their third or fourth quarterback that's played so far. But Sam Darnold, I'm going to talk a little bit later about Sam Darnold being average – it's exactly what the Panthers need. Uh, I am Hayes Permar filling in for Adam Gold. We should we've got a number of names for this week. This is uh, this is a holiday week. The, the week between Christmas and New Year's seems a little long, but I feel like we need to declare it Hayes Permar week on the Adam Gold Show. I've held it down for at least two years in a row uh, at, at this time. Victor V to the Victoria. Or Vicky Vale, depending on. Do you like all the other people giving you nicknames? I guess V to the Victoria is kind of your Twitter handle, right? Yeah, yeah, that's an old school kind one. Of, so, yeah. but I've had V squared, double V. V yeah. Yeah. Working in sports, people just love to just sling yeah. out nicknames. Yeah, here, take I, it whether you want it or not. I never <laughs> know if you like them or not. Let me start uh, here with you. Did you have a nice Christmas? I did. It went fast. So the. Like, co- where did it go? See, I feel like it didn't go fast for no? me. My, my good friend Josh Goodson, who joins us from town to town, Christmas can't go fast enough for him. He enjoys, like, the holiday season, but when it comes to actual Christmas, he's like, get it over with, get me out of here, <laughs> keep it moving. He's a Scrooge. Let me put, he, uh, kind sort of. of. Like, he's, he can be festive on, like, the 15th of December. He likes the, you know, the decorations being up. He just, you know, the whole thing is can be a little much. He gets the tree down, night of Christmas, all that stuff. Oh, wow. The, the big question, here was my big question deciding coming into the show today. What was the bigger story of the weekend? Christmas, mm-hmm. usually a big story for everyone. This is obviously not sports related. If you're new here... You know when I fill in for Adam Gold, we get a little bit less sports-centric. It's partly who I am, and it's also partly because of the times I fill in. It's often holidays and things like that, <laughs> yeah. right? Although we do have plenty of sports to talk about. So what is the story out of this weekend from the last time you were on air with Adam Gold last Friday? Was the big story that Christmas happened, which is huge, mm-hmm. but it also happens every year, or the cold? The Ooh, cold that happened this yeah. weekend, uh, I mean... I was reading stories about Buffalo where, like, apparently the whole point of Buffalo, the whole pride of Buffalo is we're the town that can take all the snow and all the cold. Bring it on. And even they were like, and I'm not making light of it because, like, this involved loss of human life. This storm that hit had Buffalo being like, whoa, hold up. This is is a lot, right? We did not get, unfortunately for me, some people might say fortunately, we did not get the crossover of precipitation and cold that would have been nice. Although, I saw some meteorologists trying to sneak in. Well, there was a little bit of sleet. I even saw some, like it was weird on like Thursday and Friday. It looked like hail at one point. Yeah, it was weird. And some people were like, well, it's the winter, so we count that as snow accumulation. I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on. You don't just casually throw out. (laughs) No. Snow accumulation in these parts. On a scale of one to snow, that's not snow. That was not snow. That was not snow. Then we were also reading weather reports. We were, I was talking about this with the Sports Journal guys of like, w- w- snow was happening at a higher atmosphere. So it didn't hit, hit the ground, but there was snow up there above us somewhere. So uh, if you didn't see it, did it happen again, kind of thing? does not count. <laughs> yeah. Does not count. 
But I thought the uh, the cold was interesting. It's, you know, you adjusted a little bit. And it was just a reminder. You know, I walk my dogs, but I walk my dog every winter. And it's there's plenty of times where it's cold enough that I need gloves and a hat, right? Sure. And a jacket. But like, you'd walk out there and you'd be like, you know what? I got my gloves and my hat and my jacket. It works, right? It feels good. the same. You know, even though it's, you know, the middle of the night, so it might be 11 degrees or whatever it got down to. Then you're, you're walking your dog and you get like the furthest point that you're going to be away from the house in the walk. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, ooh. Yeah, it sets it. Ooh. Well, I got to go It's kind of seeping through my coat <laughs> yeah. and jacket and hat. And yeah. you might, might walk a little bit more briskly right. back to the house. But the other thing I think I've learned about cold specifically. A, I'm glad I live where I do. Yes, we'll complain about the, you know, fake fall and the 100 degree sweaty days uh-huh. in October or whatever. Yep. Yes. But. Enduring the cold is not about, like, day three. Like, we're on day three. It's still cold. It's kind of annoying. I'm not a heat my car, like, start my car 10 minutes before I leave guy, but I've even been doing that, like, in these times. It's like, you know, just a little bit. But enduring cold is not about day three. It's about day, like, 33. Yeah. Like, if you live in Chicago, and I've talked to friends who live there, and I'm like, isn't it sometimes just, like, doesn't it just make you angry? Like that it just won't <laughs> yeah. stop being this cold for like a month or two months in a row. Maybe and that I, explains I've it. I've had people like admit they're like, yeah, some days when I'm just having a bad day and you walk outside and the cold just hits you. She's like, I had a friend like, yeah, I'll, I'll just start crying. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just it's just too much right now. Yeah, right. So yeah. like we can handle three days of snow. Although apparently. Duke Energy had to do some rolling blackouts. They did. They weren't ready for that. They did, so, especially in the triad, because that's where my family is, and they were talking about Duke doing it out that way. Uncool. People got warnings. I, I'm, I haven't gotten deep into this. I've, I've seen the governor tweeting about it, so I assume that this is going to be looked at well, because this is a utility that works as a monopoly, so in theory, like, it should be working very well, right? Yeah, they, they're paid well so. for their services. So on the one hand, I give much credit to the Duke crews that were out. I saw three of them immediately on Thursday and Friday scooping up, um, I think it was mostly Friday that the wind got big, picking up down power lines and and trees and stuff like that. I saw them out there. So on the one end, you applaud the Duke Energy crews. However, (laughs) on a storm, or at least cold temps that we all knew about seven to ten days before, it seemed weird to be getting warnings of this happening in the middle of it Whereas I feel like a lot of people, if you told us a week before, hey, just to let you know, if it gets too bad, we might ask people to turn off their Christmas lights. Yeah, just let someone know. But then when they when the message went out during Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and some people were already enduring blackouts and everyone was freezing, they didn't want to say turn off your Christmas lights because then that would have been a real bad PR move. Whereas, again, I feel like if you give us heads up, hey, this is going to be a historic freeze. Everyone's going to be running their uh, you know heating units to the max. And because it's Christmas light season, maybe if folks could consider cutting the lights, that would help. Then I think people are yeah. happy to help a neighbor, right? Right, because when it comes down to either do I, like, stop baking my turkey halfway through or just turn my lights Christmas off for lights. a little while. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe Obviously. I won't run the dryer, you know, today exactly. or, or whatever it was. I think people are happy to accommodate. but And, and it almost felt like... They knew it might happen, but gambled, hey, if we never have to tell people that there's a chance this is happening, that's that's the best. And if right. we can get through this whole thing and never have to black out anyone. No one has to know. But then when it happened and they had to announce it, bad look. So on the one hand, Duke gets it. We don't do a best of the weekend, worst of the weekend here. There's all, you know. <laughs> yeah. On the one hand, the Duke Energy crews that were 
uh, working rapidly to get power back on. Great job. Kudos. On the other hand, a little shaky, I felt like, on the decision-making or at least the messaging where people might have understood, uh, you know, how things could get tough during the big storm and people might have been able to help even more. Who knows? The one good thing about this holiday week, there are a lot of sports. Yes. So I'll shut up about the cold and the Christmas. Actually, I'll probably won't. We'll probably talk about it more later. Okay. But we'll also talk some sports. Let's get out of the gate. Bowl games have been on TV for a while, but this, this is Bowl Week. Bowl Week. Across America, it is the season to celebrate college football. From city to city, the passion is unrivaled. Coast to coast and beyond, the nation comes alive for Capital One Bowl Week. That's right. And in fact, even beyond Capital One Bowl Week, I miss all the, the ESPN Capital One Bowl Week commercials. I liked that we all had to watch ESPN all the time for Sports Center to get highlights because then that meant we all watched the same commercials over and over. Now yep. we're watching highlights, you know, wherever we want on our streaming services and every game's on TV, so we don't even really need highlights uh, if we can watch the team we want. But I miss the old Capital One Bowl Week commercials. I need more of them. And in fact, as it often works out, because recently, North Carolina teams are usually, like, good enough to get into a bowl game, but probably not good enough to be in, like, a best bowl game. This is North Carolina Bowl Week. This is when our teams play. So let me break it down for you. Today, East Carolina representing the pride of the state of North Carolina against Coastal Carolina from South Carolina, if you didn't know that, in the Birmingham Bowl. That one's at 645 Eastern on ESPN. If you remember, uh, Mike Houston turning around the program got ECU Bowl eligible last year, but that bowl was canceled because there were still several bowl games affected by COVID outbreaks uh, the winter last year. We'll see if that's – I don't think that's happened yet, but we'll see if that's still a thing. So ECU gets to take on Coastal. Final game for uh, quarterback Holden Ehlers, who's been a stalwart for the program in sort of this transition time. Uh, We'll see if they can get a win. On the broadcast for ESPN, Tiffany Green, Jay Walker, Jalen Johnson, we will talk to Patrick Johnson of 94.3 The Game. He'll be on the pre- and post-game show a little bit later about that game. Tomorrow, you get a double dose, and they do not even overlap. It's Duke versus Central Florida in the Military Bowl. That one's at 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Kevin Brown, play-by-play. Hudson Mason, the analyst, and our good friend Marilyn Payne, who will join us later. She'll be doing... I don't know if this is her second or third bowl game, but she's been making the bowl rounds, and I think this might be her final football game of the season. We'll talk to her about uh, the travels. One, she went from a game in North Dakota to a game in Florida. Oh, wow. I mean, she might have had like a 100-degree temperature change in, in a flight at That's one an point. adjustment. Uh, we'll ask her about that. Also tomorrow, UNC takes on Oregon in the Holiday Bowl. If the Holiday Bowl does not get canceled, we remember last year, UCLA and Holiday Bowl not getting it done versus NC State. Uh, That is one of the rare bowl games that's not on ESPN. It's on Fox. Um, So Gus Johnson get the play-by-play, which means we're guaranteed an exciting finish because just we need some Gus Johnson. Oh, wow! (laughs) Uh, And Joel Klatt will be the analyst there. Again, that game is at 8 o'clock. Friday, the bowl madness continues. It is North Carolina Bowl Week, like I said. One of our favorites here. Not just because it is the only bowl game in North Carolina, 
But it is the Duke's Mayo Bowl. They are good about having branding that fits with the South. It used to be the Belk Bowl. Before that, it was like multiple car, like it was a Meineke, car, Meineke Bowl at one point, CarQuest Bowl, I think, at one point, Continental Tire Bowl. The Belk Bowl was cool because Belk was a North Carolina brand. And Duke's Mayo Bowl, everyone loves it. It's one of those bowls that punches above its weight because everyone will be talking about the Mayo Bath. And yes, Dave Doran and whoever the Maryland coach is, I don't know his name. I'm not paid to study these things. But both of them have agreed that the winning coach will get a Mayo Bath. I think they do one of those things where they rope you in for charity. They're like, if you agree to do it, yeah. we'll give some money to your charity. It's a good cause. So then it, feel, then it makes you feel like if you don't do this thing, you're taking money away from poor kids. You're a jerk. So you have to do the Mayo Bowl. One of the most interesting things is they can't just dump actual mayo. It's not, and here's where I'll go back shoot. Mr. Corsetti, my physics teacher, or Miss Roberts, my other physics teacher, they're listening. They'll, I can't remember if viscous means it pours better or worse. I can't remember which way viscosity goes. I said, but whatever it is, I could have gotten away with this without revealing that I didn't uh, remember that term. Because <laughs> I could have just said, they will be working on the viscosity of the mayo. Hey, it sounded good. You should by just adding, Yeah, just the yeah. term alone. I should have just <laughs> yeah. left the term alone and not said that I don't know what it means. They will be working on the viscosity of the dumpable mayo. They have to add the right amount of water so that it actually does like pour. pours out, yeah. Yes. And do I, do I get to tell my mayo bowl story? You know, I'm going to save my mayo bowl story. I'm excited. If there's anything that sports radio hosts are, it's self-congratulatory and pat on the back. Actually, I feel like Adam Gold is <clears throat> fairly self-deprecating, uh, and I tried <laughs> to be as well in the, in the spirit of the show. But I will point out, where the Duke's Mayo Bowl or Mike Golick Jr. or somebody owes me some royalties. I'll get to that story later. Uh, did you know, Victoria, Yes. that NC State and Maryland all-time series tied at 33-33-4? and four. So this is for big-time bragging rights oh, for wow. the old ACC foes. And the last time they met, Maryland won 42-21. Maryland had this history. I don't, I don't know what you're... Uh, how fall, how much you followed NC State football over the year. Maryland had this, like, run. where they, You know how Wake Forest recently would thwart NC State mm-hmm. and be a thorn in their side? Like, all we needed was to win Wake Forest, and we'll yep. win the division, or we'll you know, get, be going to this bowl or whatever, and then Wake Forest would beat them. For yep. a while, that team was Maryland. Okay. Maryland would, like, not be good, but then they would beat State to keep them from winning an ACC, you know, getting an ACC title game or whatever the, the case may be. So, uh, obviously, these players don't have any history with Maryland, but State fans, I guarantee you, will be ready there to boo the Terps. Yeah. And <laughs> I better hear a loud, a guttural ACC chant mm-hmm. if the Pack wins that one. A lot on the line. Yeah. And not to be outdone, technically they're not a part of this North Carolina Bowl week. Because um, th- back on December 23rd, I think it was, uh, Wake Forest took out an SEC team in the Gasparilla Bowl. It does not matter what SEC team w- was. It just matters that Wake Forest beat an SEC team mm-hmm. in a bowl game. Who, who cares who it was Missouri? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't count. They won 27-17. Har- Hardman went out on a high note. 280 yards, three TDs. A.T. Perry had 116 receiving yards. Great run for them. Seven straight bowl games for Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. Wow. And he's gone 5-2 and two in those games. 
Got another two-game winning streak going. He won his first three, then lost a couple. And they've played some like good opponents. They play SEC teams, Big Ten teams. They are earning their bowl wins uh, at Wake Forest. Just to put it in perspective, in the history of Wake Forest football before Dave Clawson, which also included Jim Groves, some su- successful years in there. Yeah. Wake Forest, and I know bowl games are different now. There's a lot more of them. Wake Forest has gone to 10 bowl games in its history prior to th- 2016. Dave Clawson has now taken them to seven in a row. Wow. Um, so just uh, he continues a- an impressive run there. Overall, maybe a, sl- a slightly – it's funny that you could call this a maybe disappointing season for Wake Forest – um, they got a good win on the road at Florida State, and at one point were undefeated about halfway through the season. But di- you know, didn't get the win against Clemson, although they played them better than they ever have. Uh, and then didn't get the win against NC State. A couple other uh, losses mixed in there. But Dave Clawson has proven uh, don't vote Wake Forest last. And the, well, there are no divisions anymore. Don't put Wake Forest in the bottom third of the ACC. Yeah. You don't have to pick them first or second. But put them wherever you got bold teams going because they've proven they're going to be there. That's an ACC win in the Gasparilla Bowl. Next up, getting out the gate. Speaking of football in the state of North Carolina, how about them Carolina Panthers? I know. Forget about that Pittsburgh game. Never happened. <laughs> yeah. We moved on. The Panthers came out, and I don't know what it was. Maybe, maybe games on the holiday weekend for NFL teams because uh, are kind of like bowl games yeah. where you don't know who really cares. Maybe there's teams whose coaches have handled it poorly, either pushing the team too hard or letting them be too loose. Yeah. I, I don't know what the right answer is, but there seem to be teams that just didn't show up this weekend Absolutely. in the NFL, including uh, last night and Monday night. You know, the, oh, uh, the, yeah. the, the Colts were not good, right? There were Bad. teams that seemed to not show up. The Lions had not been a great defensive team. They were one of the worst run defense teams. But out of the from the jump, the Panthers were handing off, and dudes were running like eight yards before anybody touched them. Yeah. Like safeties were the only people tackling <laughs> right. the Carolina running backs early. Just huge impressive. holes, and it just they looked like they cared more than the Lions about this game. When it was all said and done, it was indeed a record rushing for the Carolina Panthers. 320 yards, 165 from Deontay Foreman, 125 from Chuba Hubbard. Which again begs the question, <laughs> right? Where were these guys the first six games of the year? Yeah, and, and like, really holding you back. And it's not like they've come from nowhere. Deontay Foreman, I, Joe Giglio, who I saw, like I heard him professing this more than anybody. And I took a flyer on on Deontay Foreman on in fantasy football. He had a good year last year. Every time he was in the game, he yeah. just wasn't a full time starter. Yeah. It seemed like the perfect pickup. And it seemed like it put you in a position where you had, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that you want to rough up anything. You, you had enough workload to go around. Yeah. You had dudes that could give you first first down three-yard runs or second down get you from what would be third and long to third and short, right, without banging Christian McCaffrey's head yeah. against the wall. They didn't always have to go 35 to times a game. Like, yeah. these dudes were there. I mean, whatever. We can't look back. But it seemed like a, a perfect... It seemed like 15 touches for Foreman, 15 touches for Hubbard, and 15 touches for McCaffrey every game. You have McCaffrey on the field more. Mm-hmm. You have him running out. You have him, uh, you know, in in pass, in, putting out in, in, in space in the, in the pass game. You have him in the backfield, whatever. But he's only getting the ball 15 times a game. It just seems like that was there for them. 
but time. regardless, I do think the offensive line has improved. Obviously, Quanu uh, has, has gotten better, um, and, and the line in general has improved, but it seemed like this was possible. Here's the other thing about the Panthers that I love. Sam Darnold was a completely average quarterback, mm-hmm. and it was awesome because that's all they need because yeah. they're running a defense team. How average? This is like the exact perfect average stat line for an NFL quarterback. Average for an NFL quarterback. I'm giving you some credit there. I'm not I'm not trying to demean him by calling average. Yeah. Average, just be the 17th best quarterback in the league, right? 15 for 22. Not amazing, but real, but good. Average, Great credit. Yeah. yeah. 250 yards. Mm-hmm. Give me move the ball when we need to. Move the ball downfield. One touchdown pass and zero interceptions. Yeah. That's the most average NFL, that that stat line is like, yes, if you start 16 games and you put up those numbers, then you will be a starter next year. You're not going to break the bank of the salary. You're not going to the Pro Bowl. You're not winning MVP. But you you might get us in the Super Bowl conversation if our defense running game and whatever can be great. And that's what Sam Darnold did, 15 of 22 for 250 uh, yards and one touchdown. Here is Steve Wilkes, Panthers coach talking specifically about what Sam Darnold's given the team the last four games. Great leadership, you know, composure, uh, doing a, a great job in orchestrating and running the offense. And, you know, the most important thing, we're protecting the football. You know, when you can play great defense, you know, can run the ball and protect the football uh, without turning it over, you're going to have a great chance of winning some football games. That is Steve Wilkes on Sam Darnold. I, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not trying to sell you on the fact that Sam Darnold is great. And... I know Panthers fans are going to grow and we're like, well, maybe they should go with Sam Darnold next year. You're like, oh, my gosh, right? It's the beard. Um, But I I do think sticking with Sam Darnold at a low price is better than going out of your way and drafting a quarterback that that isn't good enough, but you're only taking him because you got to draft a quarterback high, right? right? We'll talk to um, Will Brinson a little bit specifically about that. Some other Monday, uh, some other foot NFL news coming out of the weekend. Uh, the Panthers, excuse me, the Broncos, Panthers already fired their coach. They couldn't fire their coach this weekend. <laughs> they got the jump on the Broncos. The Broncos fired coach Nathaniel Hackett. In the last 30 years, only three coaches have been fired before completing their first season. Bobby Petrino, because he bounced on the team and left the players like a letter in their locker saying, I'm out. Uh, Urban Meyer, last year, because he was being accused of like kicking players and not treating football players as if they were like humans. And then Nathaniel Hackett. To Nathaniel Hackett's credit, he's not being accused of being just a terrible person the way that Urban Meyer and Bobby Petrino are. So give him some credit there. But some combination of this Russell Wilson deal and Nathaniel Hackett did not work for the Broncos. It never has. And they suffered an embarrassing loss to the Rams this weekend. Give it up 51 points. To, to Baker Mayfield, which is a whole other thing that we have to discuss with Will Brinson. And then some breaking news out of the NFL uh, that came out, out just before our show. J.J. Watt, one of the best defensive players in NFL history, three-time defensive player of the year, I believe, Yeah, has announced that this will be his final season. Uh, played most prominently with the Texans for mm-hmm. most of his career, but uh, suffered some injuries that... that Cut some seasons short and then, but still had a pretty good revival with the Cardinals. But he announced it'll be his final season. Yep. And finally, getting out the gate, just want to mention them. 
Kane's back in action tonight with the eight-game winning streak going, with the even more than that point streak going. They're at home against the Blackhawks. I got to see the Cades in person last night for the uh, or last game for the second time. Oh, nice. Fortunately, they put up six goals, which is cool. Scoring goals hadn't been their forte because they needed that to endure the three straight goals they gave up in the third. Did love seeing that. They held on for the Christmas win. Um, and it's everybody's home for Christmas. They want to see goals, right? 11, yeah. 11 point game. Either Flyers fans were happy. Their team's no good this year, and they got to see them score some goals. We had some fun with some Flyers fans sitting around us. We were ribbing them when we were up 6 2. Then we got a little quiet uh, yeah. when, it, when that fifth goal hit for the Flyers. A little too close. But again, the Canes held on. Hopefully, they had a great Christmas break and will be back in top form tonight against the Blackhawks.